This is the Vintage Trish Podcast. My name is Trish, and I converse about and reflect on traversing the second half of life. Thanks so much for tuning in. Today's episode is called The Vodka Gimlet, Reflections on My Father's Last Days. I sit on the deck of our summer home in northern Wisconsin. It's a place that has always offered the contentedness a home should offer, a sense of peace, a sense of grounding, a sense of belonging. The morning sky is the purest of blues scattered with billowing clouds that seem to roll right out of each other. A ballet of diamonds is performed on the liquid stage in front of me. On either side of me are the familiar shelters of green and wood, further assurance of the constant truth of nature. Since 1967, I've relished this scene, and I've been in a committed love affair ever since. While the breeze from the lake comforts me and offers the fresh air of familiarity, the stuffy familiarity within the house causes me great dis-ease. Upon entering this last midnight, the once usual familial greeting party did not arise quickly to point me in the direction of clean linens. Instead, there was no one, just the silence that only an empty home can offer. I saw pieces of my father's past scattered like old periodicals. His brown weathered sandals lay next to his bed, forever imprinted with his size 13s not only surviving 40 years of wear and tear, but surviving enough fashion trends to come back into style. Sitting on his dresser were the meticulously laid out indicators of his morning routine. A Vix inhaler, yes, they still make those. I'm guessing this one was circa 1961. Multivitamins with minerals, vitamin C, vitamin E, a tin of Band-Aids, two unused hearing aids, a shoehorn, and a nail clipper. His closet door, ajar, revealed the simple wisdom of a 77-year-old's wardrobe. Scanning back to his bed, there he was, hands crossed over his barrel chest as it rose and fell with his habitual deep breathing, and there lay his sandals. The morning sun brings little relief from the reminders. The hummingbird feeder dangles empty of its vividly red fluid, which when filled signified part of my father's purpose in life, his routine and his calling to make sure all had what they needed. From inside there is silence, no TV static flowing annoyingly through the screen door the volume signifying the enormity of his hearing loss and also his frustration at the ease technology had offered him via the remote control. My father has suffered from Parkinson's disease for the last five years. My family and I have watched the slow decline in his physical ability while his mental faculties, intact as ever, took it in with an even finer focus. After a three-week hospital stay due to complications from this disease, he contracted pneumonia and was put in the ICU. 
tube sprouted from his body like water from a punctured water balloon. I sat with him as we all took turns doing, and I sought out my dad in there, in that worn-down package. I gazed down at this once strong, steady, dutiful man, who now laid out in a blue gown in stiff white sheets. He looked miserable. He opened his eyes wide, and while the tubes down his throat inhibited him from speaking, he looked to the pad and pen we had beside his bed. I took the cue. I handed it to him, and his shaky hands functioned well enough for him to write out K-E-V-O-R-K-I, and then the writing trailed off into a shaky downward line. I looked to my mother, the only other person in the room at the moment, in a frightened disbelief, looking for her to say, no, that's not what he meant, no, you misunderstood. I looked back to my father for confirmation, stuttering the name. Kevorkian, Dad? He nodded definitively with desperate eyes. His message was clear. He wanted resurrection from this medical crucifixion. A family conference was held and the decision was unanimous. Let him go and allow him his peace. The tubes were pulled and we waited, sharing our stories and humorous anecdotes involving him and the crazy things he never knew he did. The saving of the good-for-nothing tape that way back when used to hold the bananas in bunches Friends would open up our cabinets and look curiously at the varying lengths of red and green tape, all a row, edges curling up, verifying its uselessness. His morning yoga session in the dining room, the last pose, always a headstand, and displayed his large feet six feet in the air as he balanced right next to the china cabinet, threatening, but never once attacking clinking of his spoon against his cereal bowl to get every last bran flake, creating a noise so loud and so perfectly timed that all through high school my alarm clock went unused. As the stories ended and the uneasy waiting began, something strange happened. His color returned, and his once forgotten, only occasional sense of humor barreled through the morphine haze. We all laughed, eyes wide with confusion, amazed, really. This wasn't the way it was supposed to be. Well, now what? We knew he was ready to leave, yet here he remained, the earth and heavens battling for his soul, him not knowing who to give in to. Earthly threads of unknown fibers seemed to hold fast. Am I one of those fibers? We all assured him that it's okay for him to leave us, that my mom will be okay and the finances he's always been so conscious of will be attended to. Four weeks later, here he remains. His diet is restricted, his movement is restricted, his spirit restricted. Not a fun way to live. We got to take him home at least. He keeps demanding a vodka gimlet, his favorite. I regretfully reply, but the doctors say no alcohol, Dad. His eyes droop. 
I venture into the kitchen, reach into the cabinet, and pull out two bottles. I pour a jigger of vodka into a short cocktail glass, add a shot of Rose's lime juice, four cubes, a lime wedge, and I give it a stir. I return to his room, stopping inside the threshold, and look at him, drink in hand. He looks back at me with longing, green, tired eyes, and we share in the knowing. He smiles, reaches for the glass, hands steady, and I sit by his side. The doctors don't always know what's best. That was for Joseph Robert Schwaba, born 1916, died 1994. Thanks so much for listening. This is Vintage Trish signing off. And as usual, I wish you all good things. Thank you.